Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the National Security Podcast. I'm Chris Farnham and this is the podcast that looks at the national security challenges facing Australia and the Indo-Pacific. Today on this special edition of the NATSEC pod, we're going to do a quick take on the 2018 summit season, most specifically at what occurred this past weekend at the APEC meeting in Papua New Guinea. With me today to discuss geopolitics in the Indo-Pacific is Professor Rory Medcalf, the head of the National Security College otherwise known as My Boss. Thanks for joining us today, Rory. Uh, it's a pleasure, Chris. Did the Asia-Pacific Economic Forum, otherwise known as APEC, just cease to be an economic summit or transform into something larger? Well, there's always been, I guess, a, a tension between the fact that, yes, APEC was intended as an economic summit originally, but that increasingly the region uh, is being affected by strategic and security currents, if you like. Uh, and sooner or later, the contradiction between uh, APEC's economic focus and its, and its deliberate silence on security issues and the real strategic differences that were happening in the region was going to come to the surface. So this is the APEC where that has come to the surface uh, really quite categorically. And I guess one question that raises is, what is the future of APEC? Um, because there are other forums around. There's the East Asia Summit uh, that met last week in Singapore that already has a mandate to talk about the strategic issues. Uh, and then, of course, other questions about the US-China relationship, about uh, the contest for influence in the South Pacific, uh, where APEC was located this year, and so forth. Today, as, as we record this pod, uh, you've published an article in the Australian Financial Review, and it's titled 2018 APEC Summit, Possible Turning Point for China's Power Play in the Pacific. Could you tell us what that turning point is and give us the broad overview of what you're arguing in that article? Well, I guess, you know, it's a slightly large call and uh, you always have to make a call on these things and there are probably plenty of turning points in the, um, the great game of influence that's unfolding in the Indo-Pacific region. But I do think uh, a few fairly extraordinary things happened uh, uh, in Port Moresby over the weekend at this summit. Um, firstly, of course, we had uh, this very, very stark um, affirmation by uh, the American Vice President Pence on uh, America's determination to really sustain this comprehensive competition, indeed confrontation with China now. It's a lot more than a so-called trade war. Uh, it encompasses issues like intellectual property, like human rights, like uh, China's coercive behaviour at sea. And yes, of course, it's quite easy to turn around and say, well, America doesn't respect the whole rules-based order either, especially under Donald Trump. But nonetheless, I think Pence has signalled um, that America is here to stay in the Indo-Pacific and that in many ways, its more um, assertive, somewhat confrontational position is not going to change 
until China changes. So that sets the scene uh, for trouble, I guess, um, but for trouble it perhaps had to happen. The other things that mattered at that summit were that I think uh, China's effort to really exert influence over the South Pacific. Uh, and of course, New Guinea, Papua New Guinea is uh, the, I guess, the you know the main state in the South Pacific, um, other than Australia and New Zealand, uh, were, I guess, those efforts were somewhat derailed. They were derailed partly by the the concerted pushback by a number of countries, um, Australia, New Zealand, interestingly, um, Japan uh, and the United States to really offer alternative uh, infrastructure to the South Pacific, you know, the big offer of uh, electricity and internet to New Guinea, which I think is fantastic. Um, but China's bid, China's power play, if you like, uh, was also derailed a bit by the way in which China has gone about its business. I think some pretty clumsy diplomacy, including uh, apparently uh, an effort to interfere uh, really quite um, quite crudely at the last minute to change the chair's statement or the communique uh, and barge into the office of the PNG foreign minister. So uh, really, I think overall, uh, not a great weekend for China's power play in the Indo-Pacific. I remember years ago in China's response to uh, Liu Xiaobo being awarded the Nobel Peace Prize that the world saw China's response being very ham-fisted in, say, they were banning imports of Norwegian uh, salmon, smoked salmon and things like that. And everybody looked at it and laughed and thought, well, they're just inexperienced in global diplomacy. Yet a, a decade or so later, we're still seeing that kind of diplomatic behaviour from China is it that they are inexperienced in international diplomacy or is this their normal standard of diplomacy and are they leveraging their growing power? Oh, look, I'm sure there are plenty of incidences of uh, Chinese diplomacy that are quite, um, I guess, smooth. Uh, and so it's not all this um, this crude confrontational stuff. Uh, in fact, I think overall the quality of Chinese diplomacy has improved enormously over the past 20 years or so. But sometimes something shows, I guess, through the veneer. And we saw a bit of that. We've seen that before, of course, in um, instances at the um, uh, ASEAN Regional Forum where, you know, as a a senior Chinese delegate said some years ago there, uh, bluntly to the Southeast Asians, you know, there are big countries and there are small countries, and that's a fact. Um, that's not how you go about um, smooth 21st century diplomacy, you would think. But having said all of that, um, unfortunately, in some ways, the times suit this um, cruder form of Chinese diplomacy because we're seeing uh, great powers assert their interests. Uh, you know, we're seeing um, the rules-based order and values come under strain elsewhere as well, the Middle East, Europe and so forth. Um, so, look, unfortunately, uh, this is, I think this, 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 this overt um, coercive style is going to continue to be a feature of Chinese diplomacy from time to time. And what's different about it occurring somewhere like PNG uh, in a very a really noisy democratic environment is that the local media will make a big fuss about it. Now, one of the other issues that came up over the weekend is the announcement that the US will join Australia in developing the Lombrum naval base on Papua New Guinea's Manus Island. Uh, what do you see as driving that? And 
How will you see that enhancing Australia's interests in the region? So we don't know all the details, of course, and so I have to speculate, I guess, and this could end up being you know, a relatively small thing, but my, I guess my sense is that this will be a big deal, um, that you will see a, uh, a facility which allows Australian and American warships uh, and submarines to uh, really have, a, I guess, a staging point uh, in that part of the Pacific. Uh, so it does a couple of things. It um, it allows Australia to have much better coverage in terms of surveillance and I guess eventually deterrence too of its northern approaches. Um, it also helps... Uh, preempt any kind of Chinese military basing in the South Pacific, which has been considerably feared this year. And then it adds to the allied effort, the US and Japan in particular, of being able to, I guess, in a crisis, limit access by the Chinese Navy into, deeper into the Pacific. And yes, you could say these are all elements of a pretty, um, I guess, confrontational approach to regional diplomacy, but that is unfortunately the way the region is going. So I think Australia has, to its credit, worked with the United States and PNG to take um, some fairly decisive action here. Now, also in your article, your AFR article today, you've uh, brought up the issue of Australia talking about moving its uh, embassy in Israel into Jerusalem and how that may impact uh, Australia's interests in the region. Could you maybe expand on that a little bit? Well, this has been, I think, a pretty unfortunate distraction from our foreign and security policy priorities. I mean, I think, you know, many of your listeners would be aware of the debate in Australia about the location of our embassy in Israel. Should it be in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem? Should we follow essentially the Trump precedent of moving our embassy to Jerusalem? And there are some voices, uh, some voices, I think, in, in the government who, for whatever reason, think that's a good idea. Uh, but it's very clear that this is not well received in the region uh, from, for example, Indonesia and Malaysia. And moreover, I don't think uh, it's a necessary decision to make. It's very much an optional and rather divisive thing to do. So my point is that regardless of what you think about the rights or wrongs of uh, of the situation in uh, in Israel and with regards to Israel and Palestine, uh, now is not the time for Australia to be making a priority of this issue. Now, just to put into context my final question to you, I'm going to read a quote from Xi Jinping and one of his addresses at the APEC summit on the weekend. Mankind has learned lessons the hard way. World War II, for instance, plunged mankind into the abyss of calamity in the last century. Not far away from, from where we are meeting today are the sites of the fierce battle of the Coral Sea and the Battle of Guadalcanal in World War II. Today, this part of the ocean has long restored its peace and calm, but never should we forget the lessons of history. An ancient Chinese philosopher observed that one needs to clean the mirror before taking a look at himself and that one should learn the lessons of the past before making decisions of the day. In reviewing history, we should draw its, its lessons to prevent the recurrence of past tragedies." 
And in your article today, you have written, the scene is now set for prolonged confrontation. Are we moving into an era that is going to be reminiscent of post-World War II era? Or are you more confident that our leaders are not going to uh, let this evolve into another global standoff and confrontation? Well, I guess if you're if you being particularly dark about it, you could also say, are we moving into an era that looks like the pre-World War II era? So I guess you know historical analogies could be drawn in all sorts of ways. And I I do think that it's it's kind of um, it can be a little bit piquant for I guess the Chinese leadership to be obviously reminding us of um, Japanese imperialism when in fact um, you know th- th- there's some pretty disturbing tides of nationalism in China these days too. But having said all of that, um, of course, look, it was a well-crafted speech, uh, and in in many ways, uh, you know, Xi Jinping is, is is right in that of course all countries should take a good hard look at themselves before casting judgment on. On others, um, plenty of countries around the region have unresolved, I guess, views about about history and about uh, reconciliation. But I think, really, um, if I were to interpret that in a way that's um, in the interests of the region, I'd say that <clears throat> that um, managing really China's power and managing the the great expectations that I think uh, the nationalism and the Communist Party has raised within China that somehow you know China's moment has come and that um, the Belt and Road will have a security footprint that China has a right to advance its interests across the region including uh, with a security footprint at times that itself is going to be the catalyst of, of a lot of this confrontation uh, that I fear we'll see. So I think in many ways, um, you know, the, the challenge ahead will be to find a way where the Indo-Pacific region can manage the uh, the power and the expectations within China while also respecting the interests and the sensitivities of the many other countries in this multipolar region. Uh, and certainly if you look at um, the United States today or Japan today, uh, they are not the same powers that went to war in the 1930s and the 1940s. Um, you know, for all of the faults of the Trump administration, I do think that the key message, uh, you know, that that uh, Vice President Pence put in his speech that, um, you know, anything smacking of empire or imperialism has no place in a region of equal sovereign states. I think that is an important starting point. Mm, Absolutely. And no doubt there will be more information and more to talk about uh, coming out of the G20 summit in Argentina in a few weeks' time. Professor Rory Medcalf, thanks for joining us on the National Security Podcast. Thank you, Chris. And thank you too for listening to the podcast. As always, we are very keen to to get your opinion on these issues, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Apps Policy Forum or on Facebook at Asia Pacific Policy Society or send us an email to podcast at policyforum.net. And we'll be back very soon with the regular National Security Podcast and we look forward to speaking to you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.